Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 55 for March the 31st, 2011. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and Michael Argast is joining me again. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Chet. I've got a pretty big list of topics. It's been a little over a week since we've done the Chat Chat. It's been very busy. And during that period of time, there's been all kinds of stories. I have a couple corrections that I'm going to start out with right at the beginning. Uh, the, the takedown of the Rustock botnet I mentioned in the last uh, episode. And I suggested that we had seen an increase when, you know, we did actually see an increase uh, immediately around the time and just right after in spam volumes, uh, the takedown of this big botnet. However, since then, we have seen a reduction um, similar to a lot of the other reports. I mean, the numbers are hard to pin down exactly, but you know, when I go down to the lab, depending on the day, uh, it's around 25%. It's a very difficult thing to measure spam volumes of the stock because it was a very bursty botnet. So there would be days where it accounted for the most of the spam we were getting, and it would do that for three or four days, and then it would go quiet, and we wouldn't get anything from it for a period of time, and then it would come back and do some more. So I think um, a longer-term analysis will get us more accurate impact. And even though it's been a week and a half, two weeks since the takedown, knowing the behavior previously where it would go hot and cold for weeks and sometimes even a month or more on end, uh, it'd be much more interesting to see in a couple months what that is. And I expect Microsoft will probably uh, be more than happy to share a lot of that information probably in a paper at Virus Bulletin or at Black Hat this year or some, one of these upcoming conferences. So that'll be a, some interesting stuff, but I don't want to mislead people. It was sort of a mistake there, so my apologies. Uh, as the, another thing I mentioned uh, last week was related to Adobe PDFs, and I said that I felt that Flash support should be totally removed from PDF. And I received an email this week from Didier Stevens, and he's uh, a very well-known researcher of Acrobat and flaws with it and all this kind of stuff and many other things as well. And, and for, for you reverse people out there, uh, Didier has a great tool called Sourcech, X-O-R-S-E-A-R-C-H, that will uh, find XORD strings in malware. It's fantastic. Uh, thank you, Didier. <laughs> um, he pointed out that uh, a family member of his actually edits wedding videos and, and embeds Flash and PDFs to allow people to annotate things that they want in their edited uh, wedding videos and things. So there are apparently actual applications for Flash, just like JavaScript, inside the PDF document format. There you go. Who knew? Well, yeah, I guess uh, there, there are some uses. My concern is that it's pretty rare, and I don't really change my viewpoint. I mean, I guess you don't have to remove Flash support entirely from Reader. But maybe but not on by default. Maybe not, yeah. Like, I mean... I know most users click through warnings, but at least give me a chance to know that I'm loading a PDF and that it might contain Flash, and do I really want to do this? And maybe I say no, and it breaks, and then I close it, and I reopen it, and I say yes, right? I mean, I, I like to have that option, and I don't, um, I'm not a fan of the fact that, you know, Acrobat embeds itself in the browser invisibly, so I don't know that I was just, you know, got a drive-by PDF. Uh, and I don't like not being aware of things that are heavily exploited in the wild. But I certainly appreciate that it is being used for real. And, and uh, I guess every feature, once you introduce it, is hard to claw back. And, and on that note, um, Acrobat, uh, the Adobe released updates to Acrobat 9 and, also, and Reader 9, as well as Flash Player to fix that zero-day vulnerability last week. So you should have gotten a warning if you're using um, some of the more popular browsers for geeks, like Firefox and Chrome should either auto-update or have, have alerted you to the fact that you need to update your Flash Player and your Reader. Uh, unfortunately, Adobe chose not to patch Adobe Reader X. Uh, they said that the sandbox in Adobe Reader X protects you. Of course, the sandbox is only available in Windows. So Mac people are left less protected 
Well, I, I mean, we haven't. I haven't seen malicious PDFs attacking Mac, but that's not to say it couldn't be done. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't gone through the release notes in enough detail to see if they did patch redirects for Mac, Linux, and Solaris, and just not Windows. But it just seems a little dicey to me to go. Well, we'll just depend on the sandbox and you know wait for the next quarterly release, which I believe for. Uh, Reader X will be in July, I think, is the next scheduled release. Um, other stories, so... Firefox 4, maybe? Firefox 4? What about Firefox 4? I mean, it's 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 sexy. I like the lack of Chrome, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of geeks in the crowd have probably switched to Chrome a while ago, but, um, you know, Firefox is strangely in the position of underdog, which is something that I certainly wouldn't have expected, but they seem to be getting good traction with Firefox 4. And uh, Well, they're kind of a middle dog. I mean, they, dog. They're, they're smaller than IE, but larger than Chrome. Um, although I think, strangely enough, uh, the really geeky folks seem to have really embraced the lightning fa- fast flash rendering and Ajax rendering in Chrome. But Firefox 4 is pretty good. Yeah, uh, version 4 is sexy. It's got some nice, uh, a couple of new security features you were mentioning. Yeah, the, well, the, the do not track support is something that's been... Uh, talked about a lot. Unfortunately, originally it looked like Microsoft and Google and Firefox were all going in different directions with how they were going to implement. You know, we needed multiple standards so that we could have lots of confusion. Um, it looks like Firefox and Google, Firefox and Microsoft, I think, agree now, and Google's still going off in their own direction. Yeah, and the Associated Press has uh, just turned on Do Not Track across their entire um, estate of like partner and affiliate organizations, and that's a pretty big set of places that. Um, you know, you can now opt out of tracking in a single place, um, which is, you know, sufficient. It's, mean, al- it's also interesting that, that it's the AP. I mean, they've been one of the um, organizations complaining a lot about their content being ripped off. Yeah. Um, and, and validly so. I mean, they are an aggregator of, and a source for a lot of things. And Numbers and measures are important to them. At the same time, you know, you've got Congress and others that are talking a lot about, you know, do we need to regulate this and stuff? So maybe they're being a bit proactive in trying to prevent that sort of, you know, let the market take care of itself sort of scenario rather than face regulation. So, yeah, I say kudos to the Associated Press and to Microsoft with IE9 and Mozilla for Firefox 4 for starting to, and I think Chrome is going to have to march along to that drumbeat now. I don't think that um, Google can continue to forge their own path, although they have with WebM and H.264. I mean, they decided that, you know, to hell with everybody else in the world and everybody else's agreements. We're just going to go to our own direction. Well, we'll see how that turns out. I'm going to give a plus one to the idea that they need to uh, go along with uh, IE and Firefox on this. Let's let's get a standard out there. Is that is that rubbing my face in the fact that I still haven't blogged about Google uh, introducing plus one? Yeah, I don't know what the security implications of plus one are, but... Uh... Well, I, you know, I started thinking about it. I mean, the way we've seen like buttons used on Facebook, which is what everybody's uh, likening it to, and we've seen that it's often used in, in for fraud. And, and in fact, uh, one of the Naked Security readers sent in a, a comment this morning that said, uh, you know, these companies who post things going, oh, win an iPad, you know, all you have to do is help us get 75,000 followers on our Facebook page. One, pres- you know, provides a false sense of their importance in the market because they're getting all these people to think they're going to get something for free. Two, it increases fraud because people sign up for 300 Facebook accounts so they have more chances to win the iPad. Uh, and then we also see the criminals, of course, gaming the like system through like jacking, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, Facebook's taking some action on that. But you know, what if people started trying to manipulate Google search results through this system? Uh, you know, it's an SEO dream, isn't it? Uh, you, you know, it's going to happen, right? It's just a matter of seconds. 
And uh, when it makes influential Google accounts um, more valuable to criminals from a phishing standpoint as well. Like you think about, you know, people that are using Google's Chrome service that are associated with a lot of people. I don't quite know how this plus one thing works, but it sounds like it ties into your quote social Google's view of your social network, which is your Gchat buddies, your Gmail address book, your Buzz friends, etc. So if you were a large personality on Buzz, like say Leo Laporte, I know uses Buzz a lot, um, you would be a very attractive target to you know to to manipulate search results for the for the bad guys because you have a large community of people whose results might be influenced by your plussing something, right? Hmm. So maybe Google should introduce the dislike button so we can get rid of the penis pills and the uh, fake AV and uh, all these other scams that we get through Google SEO. And then they should take the exact opposite approach of Facebook, go with the dislike, the minus one button, and then we can help them get rid of all the crappy results. Yep. And uh, make the world a better place. I'm not adverse to having both, but uh, yeah. searchingfacebook.com, clicking minus one. Oh wait. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, yeah, so the, I thought the in addition to do not track the one I was excited about and did blog about with Firefox Four is known as HTTP Strict Transport Security or HSTS. Another acronym to learn. Yeah, well, it's hopefully something you don't need to think about, but it's a rather clever thing that's been um, worked on for two years now. I mean, it was introduced in Chrome last summer, and now that Firefox supports it, we'll probably see more domains taking advantage of it. But what what it does, uh, and I'll use PayPal as an example because they participate in this program, is it allows you as a website operator on your HTTPS pages to include an extra header saying that you want this site to only ever be available securely. So when a user doesn't think to type HTTPS colon slash, slash slash paypal.com and they hit http colon slash slash paypal.com the very first time they do that they'll go over http and get a redirect but the next time now that they've got that header if they're a firefox 4 user or chrome user their browser will automatically know that it's only supposed to connect https and won't even try the http it'll just go straight https the other factor in this header that tells the browser to enforce is any invalidity in the certificate means you cannot connect. There is no prompt going, do you want to confirm? Do you want to override? Is this okay? So Are you sure? It, it's strict transport security. And so it it means as, as a website operator, you know that your certificate must always be valid and you're not going to let it expire and you're not going to do anything dodgy and you're not going to self-sign it. And as a result, simplify it for the user because we know the user will do anything they can to get around the security you put in front of them. Yeah, which brings us to our next story, certificates. Certificates. Well, certificates imply trust. Yes, well, except for everybody and their dog seems to be able to issue certificates these days. Yeah, I saw something this morning, 655 different people out there currently can issue certificates. And do you really want to trust the Chinese government? But that's a whole separate Have you audited your list of certificates in your browser? No. I've, I've looked at them. I can identify around 20%. The other 80%, I have no idea what they are, who they are, or what it even could be. Um, and in that 20% includes the Hong Kong post office. Mm-hmm. Um SSL's been broken for a really long time, and apparently I wasn't clear enough about that in one of my blogs, and I got some negative feedback about how clueless I was for not realizing that. And, I mean, I've it's been since day one that this has been a problem, and as the number of registrars and certificate authorities has exploded in the last 15 years, um, it, it really is a mess now. And this is a big wake-up call. It looks like, you know, Komodo's making all the right motions about taking it seriously, even if they're spinning a bit of a story around this that's 
totally seems to be untrue. Um, at least they're, you know, they're, they're implementing two factor. They're implementing, um, you know, full audits of every certificate being approved until they have that in place. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're at least reacting in a adult way. So let's let's take a step back here because we didn't actually cover what the story is. Okay, so this Iranian dude who has the experience of a thousand hackers and a, a thousand, thousand project managers and a thousand something else I can't remember ninjas ninjas um, hacked into a Italian reseller of Komodo, a large certificate authority, and uh, was able through getting into that reseller to acquire a. Uh, some of the code they used to submit certificates to be signed by the Komodo Certificate Authority and found embedded passwords inside their code that allowed him to impersonate them and issue his own certificates for Google, Skype, Yahoo, Hotmail, Live.com, etc. Um, so that means he can run a web server, and if there's a way to either direct your traffic to it or manipulate your DNS... Uh, or maybe infect your computer with some malware to change your host file, your browser, including strict transport security, would think that you are, in fact, talking to Yahoo or Hotmail or whoever. Uh, It's a full impersonation attack, and uh, it's quite concerning that it was so easy. Well, it wasn't. According to the hacker, it wasn't that easy. He's released about seven manifestos now on Pastebin. Some of them are rather entertaining. Uh, he suggested numerous times yesterday, I think we counted 11 times yesterday on Twitter, that people that were criticizing him should be seeing a head doctor. Um, <laughs> although I think that maybe that might should be the other way. Um, you know, the system's fragile. Yeah. And unfortunately... Fragile the, or is it just broken? Well, I don't know that it's broken, but the chain of trust needs to be controlled more carefully. And Microsoft has started doing this themselves with their Authenticode program. So when you want to digitally sign drivers that access the kernel in Windows, you have to get a certificate from uh, an Authenticode certified vendor. So they're subsetting, basically. And I think they've only certified six CAs, and they have extremely rigorous policies for how those CAs must verify your identity before issuing issuing you a certificate. Unfortunately, the criminals are still buying Authenticode certificates from the valid CAs, but there's a much smaller community to detect the fraud, shut down the fraud, make sure controls are in place, and at least prevent these types of hacks from happening. Or not Maybe not prevent them, but avoid them um, better. So it's it's if there were a clear answer, we probably would have already moved on to a future solution. Unfortunately, there are no immediate answers, but the immediate answer today is certificate authorities need to be examining all of their systems right now and being very careful of it. No different than this whole RSA incident. This should be a learning experience for everybody involved in the industry and get your head out of the sand and start looking around. Agreed. Um, Facebook. So two security improvements this week, both of which aren't what everybody wants them to be, but they're better than nothing. Uh, they've improved their SSL option, so HTTPS options. So it's less likely that a rogue application will turn it off by accident kind of sort of thing. Well, if, if by rogue application you mean Facebook user. Sure. Um, the way it worked before was if you enabled HTTPS support and tried to use almost any application on Facebook, which wasn't HTTPS, it would prompt you to disable it. And if you disabled it, people were under the impression it disabled it for that use. 
But it disabled it all across the board. It just turned it back off again. Nice. So every time you used an app, you had to go turn it back on. Um, so they've implemented it now where it will now mix a page of HTTPS and non-HTTPS, which results in a bevy of browser warnings. Yep. However, it allows things to work and enables you to keep HTTPS enabled without having to disable it to use Farmville. And sometimes those browser warnings are a good thing. It motivates the users, which motivates the application developers. It's, you know, it's... It's rare for Facebook to make a choice to allow people to do something that interrupts a perfect experience on Facebook. And I think this is a good move forward because they don't normally do that. And this is an important thing. And I'm glad they've done it. Um, They also introduced some light jacking protection uh, a week and a half ago. And I, I decided not to discuss it until I had an experience to use it a bit. Unfortunately, my experience is they, it's, it's dialed down. But what they're doing is they're watching for anomalous behavior in likes. And if they see that, they trigger an extra system where it will change. the Instead of just instantly liking it when you click like, you click like, it changes the button to then say confirm. And now you have to click it a second time. And then when you click it a second time, you get a pop-up. And the pop-up says, you've decided to like almost nude Italian woman in front of a blackboard you know, confirm or cancel or like or cancel, I believe is what the buttons are. And then you have to say, yes, I really do want to like this. And that's supposed to prevent click jacking and like jacking where you don't know you're clicking a like button because it's hidden behind something else. And so when that pop-up comes up, it's outside of the attacker's control. They can't mask the imagery in that pop-up window. And it means that you're aware that in fact you are liking something. Of course, most users are looking at something on their screen that says, please like this to win your new iPad too. So they're going to say, yeah, of course I want to like it. That's one problem with it. Um, There's no warning message whatsoever in that pop-up to say, the reason we triggered this is we think this is malicious. It just says, yeah, do you want to like blah? Um, So there's not really anything to set off the the hair on the back of your neck kind of thing to alert the user something may be wrong. Uh, The third problem is that it, it, its thresholds are just seemingly out of whack. I mean, the, the anomalous behavior they're detecting, uh, it took me almost 20 like jack attacks before I found one that, that actually, actually it worked. Um, and so, and it turned out that the one that worked was one that uh, Facebook personnel had given to me and that had just popped up under a new URL. And when I found the new URL, it was the same one that they had used as an example when they were explaining to me how this worked. Mm-hmm. And, um, which is good. I mean, I, like, I, I think we've been asking them to do something like this for a very long time. This is a good step forward. I think from a software perspective, we would prefer they do it for every, um, uh, like rather than just ones that are anomalous and if they really know that it's malicious why are you asking the user just you know just block them and i think when they do know they're malicious they are blocking them they're just trying to get a little bit of um, algorithmic help to battling the problem and they are targeted more than anyone else so it's not surprising that um that they're struggling with this so it's a good move forward i just hopefully when they tweak it it'll get better i'd like to see the messaging change a little bit to make users aware that the reason facebook is making you click like is because this looks like it's not something you probably want to be doing um last but not least i have uh my sequel um our friends at my sequel owned by a sequel injection yeah so i want to make it very clear for people that don't understands security and programming websites and things. So this is not a vulnerability in the MySQL application. Um, that, that's not to say there aren't vulnerabilities in the MySQL application, but this particular attack was simply the way their website interfaces with their own database. Yep. So they're just not following best practices on sanitizing input to SQL databases, and you would expect them to... Well, I arguably, their parent company would be the world's foremost experts 
They're unbreakable, right? And SQL. They are totally unbreakable. They've got several operating systems to their name now as well through acquisition. And um, they also control almost all of the, you know, well, MySQL is, um, and Postgres and Oracle. I mean, it's... Big part of the LAMP stack. Yeah. So, I mean, really, it's just embarrassment, isn't it? It's just, um, it's hackers throwing poo on them. Yep. It's, yeah, it's just... It was mildly amusing. I mean, what was bad was their director of product management had a six car- or, sorry, four-digit password. Wow. So I would love to get my hand on his ATM card right now. <laughs> um, you know, that was a bit embarrassing. And again, I mean, this is not meant to be an attack against Sun or Oracle or MySQL. Hopefully, the way folks are taking all these um, podcasts is that these are kind of life lessons to be learned. Yeah. Hey, and if MySQL wants to make it easier for people using their platform to do that kind of sanitizing that might be a good thing to think about as well well they've got some great advice if you read their documentation on how to avoid this um it was already there so they should go back and review chapter six i think it is and um nonetheless you know sql injection is a real problem WebSense reported um i think it was WebSense uh that reported today they've found three hundred eighty-one thousand sites in the last few days that were sql injected with links to fake av i mean this is a widespread problem yep. and it's just embarrassing because of the uh, the high profile nature of the company it happened to but uh it's happening everywhere if you have outside people writing your web code make sure you're having it audited and checking it carefully get some professionals involved that can really take it to task and any amount you spend ahead of time will save you a lot more on the back end thanks for joining us for chat 55 until next week stay secure